0: Welcome to The Rest is Education, a podcast by teachers for teachers. I'm Ross Borthwick.
1: And I'm David Marshall. And I'm Aaron Huber. And today we're going to be talking about gamification. I feel maybe we think we know what gamification is, at least in terms of education. But for myself, I wasn't a gamer as a child. And maybe video or computer games isn't something I feel I know much about but really maybe it could be any sort of game element and it doesn't have to be digital. It could even be a board game. Aaron, do you have a definition for us? Uh, well, gamification is a, a massive beast. Uh, and so to
2: I'm going to just give you a pretty vague definition and we could try to destruct it from there. But it's basically uh, applying game design elements, uh, which there's more to that than, than I think we we realize, uh, to an education or educational setting. Um, typically, they... It's best if they're sort of student-driven, uh, interactive, um, specifically designed for education, and um, sort of immersive for the students.
0: So, when you when you say immersive, um, you know, is that is that something that totally takes takes over the whole experience of a of a lesson, or is it can it be part of a lesson?
2: Well, from what I've seen, it, there's sort of different levels of it. Uh, there's probably stuff. If you're a teacher out there that you you already do, uh, is is sort of just your natural teaching style, uh, and then there's there's going sort of all out in designing a, a, an entire course around uh, gamification principles
1: or an entire unit or an entire project. So can you can you give us an example of what we're talking about with with games? What kind of digital games are there out there that are very popular at the moment? Um, I think
2: the one most teachers are probably most familiar with is is Kahoot or Quizlet. Uh, Those are both kind of in a similar vein. Have you guys used those?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yes. Yeah, I use Kahoot quite a bit, and maybe it's something that I want to chat about later a bit more in terms of we're going to talk about the positives and negatives of this. um, But Kahoot's definitely one that I probably use the most. There's others. I've come across um, ones like Quizlet, Anki, and smaller ones like Spelling Shed. Duolingo I think obviously lots of people know about that it's used for language learning outside of schools uh, and those are sort of perhaps some of them but certainly not covering all of the main ones are we um, are we thinking that gaming is a good because I think we're we, this being are we thinking gaming is a good thing are we are we going to sort of come to a conclusion about what gaming is over the course of this podcast
0: I think it's it's seen as uh quite a quite a fun thing to build in, isn't it? I think you know there's an assumption that engagement increases if you gamify at least part of your lesson, and certainly there's a lot of enthusiasm surrounding some of the the digital games that you've just mentioned. I mean, when the Kahoot music comes on, excitement builds within the classroom. But whether or not that's a good thing or not, uh, I think the jury's still out.
2: Yeah, I think whether gaming is a good thing or a bad thing, I'll, it, it depends on how it's, how it's used. You can do it in a great way, and you can do it in a very unproductive way. Um, I think with, with the amount of years we all have under our belt in the classroom, uh, the perception of it has, has slowly changed over time, whereas I remember sort of my early years in the classroom, if you you, you, you were planning on playing games or you know, anything that could be viewed as a game in, in your lesson that day, you maybe didn't want to say it, in the, in the teachers' lounge, because yeah. you know it was viewed as like, oh, he's, you know, he, he's being lazy or he's, you know, hasn't planned something.
0: So, Aaron, when you were a junior teacher, did games exist, or was that sort of a?
2: <laughs> yeah, we had stones and had <laughs> sticks and things like that.
0: No, I I know what you mean though, because like when I when I trained, there was no way that as a trainee or even an NQT, if you were being observed. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have a, a gamified lesson, or you know, if you were going to, it would be a, a very small element, and in which case, you know, how worthwhile was that element?
2: In relation, oh sorry, in relation to being observed, as you know, to contrast like the early years to now, uh, in my most recent sort of uh, observations were actually during games and simulations, and right. I. And to the point where I, I've invited Admin in to come see them um, because how much, one, the kids enjoyed it and, and the feedback I get from Admin watching it.
0: And I think, you know, one of the one of the massive changes I've noticed is particularly when we were in London, um, the, the fact that you lead an inset or a talc, a training opportunity on perhaps an element of gamification, whether it be digital or not, and that that was actually upheld as, a really uh, useful thing for other teachers to build in. David,
1: and can I say, I, I though I've seen some pretty negative examples of this, and I know we've all been in CPD, uh, career professional development, that we haven't found particularly useful. I've definitely found myself in some where one particular I'm thinking of where they the trainer was showing us a game they designed, and I honestly couldn't quite see what the educational point of it was. Sure, I mean going back to the motivation point the kids would have been very motivated by it but in terms of what it was teaching of a particular subject what particular knowledge it was teaching I found the whole thing to be a bit confusing and I, I do I think when we're coming back to games something that we will we'll talk about is uh, is it, what is it actually teaching and is the purpose the game to motivate the children or is the purpose the learning and I would say perhaps the purpose has to be the learning if it's not it, it, is it is it really useful in the classroom at all, Ross?
0: Yeah, and I think you know to sort of build on that. Um, you know, I'm I'm thinking about these immersive experiences that, uh, you know, bells and whistles and and definitely uh you know massive engagement at first and, and excitement, but um if they don't allow the pupils to achieve the lesson objectives, then really are they are they just a distraction? And I think there's there's certainly a superficial sort of facade almost with with a lot of these that that is difficult to see at first um, e- even for us you know and and I think um, it does take a bit of use before you realize actually you know perhaps some of them aren't adding as much value as, as others or, or even just other activities Aaron
2: there's something like like Kahoot right it's it's not actually teaching the kids anything um, it's it's a review strategy or you know you you're not you're not teaching through Kahoot is kind of what I'm trying to say.
0: And one of the things with Kahoot is the the points based system and the, the podium. Um, there's sort of an ongoing podium after each question. If listeners haven't haven't used Kahoot, uh, and I would encourage them to look at it definitely because um you know it might be useful for them. But um most of the points I think are allocated to fastest finger first, and I think you know that could be quite demoralising if you're the child who maybe has slow processing and you never actually appear. Uh, in the top five or you know you're never on the podium
1: well I had an interesting observation recently because I do still I do like hoot I do use it and I I like it for exactly that reason Aaron is that it's recall so you're recalling you're practicing recall of information we can definitely dig deep and say are the children learning because there's a lot of excitement in the in the room and the music's playing children always get quite uh sort of they're they're talking a lot, they're they're shouting a lot, they're excited to see who's gonna win. I had one sort of cahoot we were doing recently where one girl who doesn't normally enjoy it was actually winning. And then in the last few questions she went down from first place to fifth place. And at the end of the lesson she just burst into tears. And it 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 did really make me pause and think, do I want to use this strategy in the classroom again?
2: It, it comes down to you know if you're the if you're the kid that's never on that leaderboard, to, is is that a fun game for you? Um,
0: I think you know having having a similar plenary where you know you're consolidating, uh, you know learning through through a game that, that's no bad thing. But but with regard to the kahoot the, the visibility of of how they score, that clearly as you've experienced, David has has an emotional uh, outcome. And um, there, there's a school of thought surrounding zero-stakes testing and the benefits of that. And, and I, know, I know some more traditional teachers that I've encountered, they, they question whether zero-stakes testing is valuable. But I think in, in the form of a game, if there is no observable outcome, and what I mean to, to listeners uh, unfamiliar with zero-stakes testing, is that um, only the child sees the outcome. And there are some non-digital games. There may even be digital games out there. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, not going to pretend that I'm familiar with all digital games, but um, there are definitely non-digital games, which allow the, the children to do that. And um, whether they have a very good day or a bad day, uh, no one else needs to know.
2: Well, don't you really just want kids to compete with themselves in the long run, right? And yeah. the aim towards, towards getting better. And, and if, if, you know, they're doing better than they were the day before, the week before then, then they should feel like a winner as opposed to, oh, I did better, but I'm still not on the leaderboard, so I'm still I'm still a loser or I'm still not good at this.
0: So I think I think then really the the bigger question is aren't all teaching strategies games of a of a sort?
1: And and maybe they are, and maybe what we when we say gamification, we people think immediately digital, but to go back to what we said at the beginning, they could be something which is low-tech. So, for example, uh, last year when I was teaching Ursula Le Guin's *Was Diversity* as an English teacher, I, at the end of term, I decided to get the students to design board games based on the journey of the main character. Uh, quest stories work really well as board games, I think. And I didn't think of myself at the time as gamifying the learning. It's only now doing this podcast about gaming that I think, that gamification, I think, oh, well, maybe that was what it is. But one thing about that is that there's a certain sort of metacognition to it in that they were designing a game. And obviously you then go on to play the game, but they were thinking about how they turn a book, a story, a narrative into a game, and there's a degree of metacognition in that, which we know is a highly successful tool for learning. So maybe there's an added layer to creating your own games as much as to just turning on Kahoot and playing a recall game.
0: No, not, I've, not I've, sorry, Aaron, I've
1: seen ex, I've seen examples of, of kind
2: of I think your example, David, is better than what I've seen of of using designing a game as part of the learning because you need to have a pretty in depth understanding of of the concepts to design a game using them, right? So you know that's taking content, knowledge, or concepts um, from whatever you're teaching and applying them in a different context, right? Which is, is mastery of that content or, or, or those concepts, which is, I think that's a pretty uh, amazing example of gamification. Definitely. So well done, Dave. Well done.
0: Thank
2: you.
1: <laughs> I get, I get right, you, you get, you're on the leaderboard right now. <laughs> it's funny because we are starting this podcast talking about gamification. It feels like something that... To talk about something that I don't know a lot about is a is an interesting way to begin. Uh, in talking about it, though, just like all of these episodes, we're hoping to learn more about it.
0: No, I we're mean, a- absolutely. And I think, you know, so, some of us have more experience than others, of, of particularly the, the techify, you know, the, the high-tech gamification. I think, Aaron, you, you had some first-hand experience.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is, again, back in the early days of my career, so think black and white TV and everything. Um, I went to, uh, I, I was going to do my student teaching um, at a school that, that was newly developed and was developing its entire curriculum around gamification at sort of the, the, the zoomed-out level, where each course was was a game uh, in itself, and kids were, were actively designing games within it. Um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a charter school that has since closed, uh, and based on the, the reviews and the, their test scores, I can see why it it didn't work very effectively. And what I saw there didn't give me much, uh, hope and I ended up not, not choosing it as my student teaching location. Um, I just basically kind of what we said earlier in the podcast is I couldn't, I I went there during a day when they were sort of demonstrating their end of project, uh, you know what these kids had developed and I was looking at their projects and I could not tell what they had studied and what they what they were learning or what they were demonstrating just looked like some fun games I mean that's
0: that's so powerful isn't it and we've all we've all been on school tours of other schools or we've been to cluster meetings and we go there and we get a we get a feeling of of what sort of of school you know it is and what sort of education is on offer there. you know, some you go there and there's clearly an emphasis on handwriting, perhaps overall things. And then others, it's uh, projects and what have you. But if you go there and, and your, your initial reaction is that you don't know what is being, what is being done, that's, that's quite powerful.
1: Is it, um, is it then, are we talking about, is gamification more about motivation than learning? Directly related to what we're just saying, it, is, is that what gamification is, do we think?
0: Well, it depends, I think, on the, you know, the age and the setting, because if you look at, uh, you know, I know none of us are early years uh, specialists, but if you look at the EYFS end, um, they, you know, th- their learning generally is, is play-based, right? So they spend an awful lot of time on, on play, and clearly that's, that's enjoyable, but there's also a whole bank of skills that they're learning, whether whether sort of... Um, whether deliberately or, or you know um, surreptitiously, and uh, so th- you know that if you take that argument, then it's it's a bit of both.
2: I, I think at, at the level in which sort of we engage with it, which is sort of uh, sorry, you'll have to you'll have to translate this into the British system for me, but the <laughs> middle school and above. Um, is it, it's a different beast uh, to gamify because it has uh, there there has to be a bit more design in it, I feel, and learning objectives than uh, at the earlier years where they're sort of passively more learning uh, social skills and interactive skills and things like that. Um, but I just want to get as I did look at this um, pretty interesting meta study from Spain, and I think there's something in it that that speaks to what we're talking about. So this was. Um, uh, a meta study where they looked at four different studies uh, where gamification was used and they looked at what was effective and what wasn't and I'm just going to read the quote because I, I don't think I can uh, effectively summarize this uh, but it says the study argues that the reason for the results so these are positive results, what worked well uh, for the results may be that students feel that they are an active protagonist in their learning process and that the progression and practice of the game, game mechanics of the levels allow them to carry out a continuous practice of the academic curriculum, so that's what worked well when they were an active protagonist in their learning process. They had ownership of it. Um, whereas, what didn't work when in, in systems that didn't work is goes back to what we were talking about: was points, badges, and leaderboards were ineffective, and that goes into the
0: motivation. That's so is that- interesting, isn't it? Because I think one of the one of the major platforms being used. Uh, well in, in in your speaker in, in middle schools, but you know in in say let's say a primary school or a prep school over here, um, you might find something like class dojo being used uh, for for pastoral gamification, if you like. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of visibility there. There are icons. You design your own avatar. Um, if you've had a good day and, and you know, you've, um, let's say, your behavior has been perfect, you get so many points. And, and it's all very competition-based and it's all very visible. Um, and because it's a pastoral tool, as much as it is an academic one, I think in a lot of settings, it's, it's more pastoral than academic. You have situations whereby, let's say, a, a misdemeanor occurs, and a child is um, is disciplined, and that is then carried with them for the end of the uh, you know to the end of the day, or to the end of the week, or whenever the class dojo is refreshed, which goes against every everything we're currently thinking in terms of pastoral care. Um, so that it's interesting that the study is saying that the um, you know the, the points and the badges are are ineffective because I think they're being widely used.
1: Can I just um, yeah, can I just look at what's happening with that? Because that it's really interesting. You mentioned the pastoral element, Ross, because the because I had a look at the what, what's happening scientifically in the brain when gamification is going on. Uh, there was a lecture I went to a few years ago by Professor Paul Howard Jones at University of Bristol, and he said that we can increase engagement via a game to stimulate dopamine. To spat dopamine. Teenagers increase dopamine when playing a high-risk game. This increases again when a friend comes in to watch them. Uh, So, yeah, obviously everyone's in the classroom watching, whether it's Class Dojo for Pastoral or whether it's Kahoot or something else. But here's what's really interesting. He said, children's dopamine increases when they see their friends lose. And I think that's quite telling. If we're talking about going over to a friend's house and playing a game after school, going playing play Roblox with your friend online. Um, that's one thing, because you're choosing to be there. But Ross, you mentioned earlier about children who are not so fast, who maybe sort of um, processing it quite slow. They're being forced to learn through this method. And their, their peers are getting dopamine highs by watching them lose. Now, if that's been translated to pastoral, as well as to learning uh, academic things, then maybe we've got a real problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's so so interesting that what you're saying because I, I'm immediately now thinking about games in the wider under the wider meaning of the word. So in in particularly independent schools, but but you know, I imagine most schools they have sport and they teach they teach games as a lesson, and of course sports are competitive and the pupils are playing games. But uh, they they want ultimately they if they're playing a fixture a match against another school they're going to want to win and and so there it, it's such a, a multifaceted thing because is that victory actually uh, achievement or or is the dopamine being produced because you've beaten someone else who's not as good as you um, and then if I think about mixed ability uh, teams you know players on the team and. Oh, God, it's it's quite, it's such a, a multifaceted thing, um, and you know, then without sorry you go, you, for go it.
2: you go back to the you know why we we do what we do and it's obviously that's like the I, you bringing that up like thinking about oh, I'm stimulating kids to dopamine receptors because they're enjoying watching people lose no no teacher ever was like that that's what that's my goal today is to see see how I can make kids feel better about their friends losing or you know make kids feel good because their friends lost. And
0: um, how know. far
1: do we go with this? Because I think it's really interesting, Ross, that you mentioned games and in a school where everybody gets a prize at the end of the the year or the end of the um when they leave and not everyone deserves a prize. So how do we how do we square this? Are we saying that you just shouldn't have any competition at all? There should be no winners, no losers we know that children are different, have different abilities. Some are good at sports, some are good at English, some are good at um, other different things. Uh, where do we draw the line here?
0: Well, what, one okay. interesting approach uh, in, in sport is a lot of schools that are inclusive, they will aim to give every people a match. Okay, so every people today, for instance, went and played a fixture against another school – and the teams are selected on ability, and then those teams play other schools' teams that are roughly the same ability. And, you know, ev- everyone could have the opportunity to, to achieve um, or to, to uh, put it sort of in, um, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, science. Uh, They've been given the opportunity to create that excess level of dopamine if they beat the opposition, Um but, but of course ultimately they are yeah they're, they're also in a position to be beaten. Um, so yeah I mean it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think it comes down to
2: to how you design the game or how you just dis- gamific- how you design gamification in your classroom or you know as a learning experience. You, and I think the, the, the studies that we've seen, the examples we've talked about, you know, when you when you use it as a competition against other kids, you, you're losing the, the objective of the activity, right? You're, you're you're not there. That's not why you're teaching is for kids to win or kids to lose. You're teaching to for, so all kids can, uh, you know, gain an enjoyment of learning and a, and a curiosity to learn more and and get the skills in which they can can do that effectively and do that better and improve over time. So if you're using gamification. You should be using it or designing it in a way where it's it's the individual is the focus, the individual student, and and that they can improve and they can grow throughout the process and enjoy that victory themselves. And that victory should be around what they've learned or able to do and not just being number one on the
0: leaderboard. So I think on on that individualizing a people's journey, competing with themselves, teaching skills and, and then perhaps acquiring more knowledge and therefore improving as a learner on their own individual journey. There are a couple of, of very successful global companies, um, Atom Learning, Century Tech, which claim to, to have a, an artificial intelligence approach to In individualizing someone's learning journey, and I just wondered what you thought of that because the the interface is essentially a game. When you log in, it looks very much like a game. Your data is presented in a pie chart. You know, you click on certain buttons to then begin, and sometimes, for all intents and purposes, it is a game.
2: Uh, I think it's to you know those things are great to facilitate motivation, right? So like a like a progress bar. In, in a student's learning is much more effective than
1: than a leaderboard, right? Because the progress bar is individualized. Yeah. They're definitely competing against themselves, which I think is what we're kind of coming to as a, as a conclusion or some one of the conclusions, which is uh, the importance, as you said, Ross, earlier of the low-stakes testing. But I do think some of these companies, I, I mean, if they're being presented as games, they are trying to tap into that motivation aspect, um, the dopamine aspect, but they are also, to a certain extent, assessment. And I think that can be both a positive thing and a negative thing. I think the positive of that is that gamification as a possible use of assessment is is really exciting. It can give you instant data. You don't need to wait or mark. It just does it for you. And the power of this can give you data that you as a teacher couldn't necessarily put together, you know, for example, in in her book, Making Good Progress, Daisy Crystal Lulu mentions gamification as a possible use for assessment. So I think that's good. But I think the other side of that is children start to see it rather as a, not as a game, but maybe as a, an exam. And it becomes something a bit more like that, which obviously is going to decrease the amount of motivation. I, I'm assuming it's going to decrease the amount of motivation because suddenly it becomes something that's, Less attractive. I don't know. What you. Th- you what, I don't. I don't know. Does that sound right, uh, uh, or am I going down the wrong track there?
0: No, I think that's a, a fair observation. That you know, if they see it as a, a test, then over time, you'd imagine that 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 trajectory, you know, in, in terms of engagement, is, is going to peter away. Um, what do you think, Aaron? I think you know, it's like putting the
2: kid at the center of their own learning. So if you can frame it as a as a challenge as opposed to a, a test right mm-hmm. so it's the you know like this is this is the end of the level that you know, I'm, you know I'm using video game terms that probably don't fit here but this is the boss you need to beat right what can you do? <laughs> you know if you frame it sort of like this is this is what we've been working towards to see what you can do here and this is our big challenge as opposed to all right
1: now. You know, grab your number two pencil and fill in the bubbles. I think it's, it's more effective. And maybe if all game, if all education is, is, is a game, it is therefore about how the teacher sets that up, how you make it. So it's fun. Going back to that EYFS example, how does it become play? I know we're, we're not teaching EYFS, but I do, as a teacher, when I'm feeling a bit demotivated, I ask myself, what's the most fun I... I, and that pupils can have while learning today. And that doesn't mean putting a game on. Rarely it means putting a game on. But what it does mean is, how am I going to present myself? How am I going to present the learning in a way that these children are going to really love it and get it?
0: Yeah, and I, I that think it's a positive yeah.
1: gamification. Maybe that is gamification.
0: I think the enjoyment factor, you know, we've all had those lessons where we, you know, hopefully multiple times a day, um, but uh, where, where you're genuinely enjoying teaching your subject and and that enjoyment comes across so i don't know whether you're just smiling about it or whether you know you, it's infectious and and the kids begin to smile and they, you know that if we're creating that sort of atmosphere whether we're using a game or not that that um sort of engagement that we're we're generating is is well it has to be a good thing
1: if gaming is something that um children love and some do and some don't definitely presenting something as the boss level can be a fun way to do something even if your boss level is hey look this is king lear this is the boss level guys and this is what we're going to do i i don't know maybe i'm i'm taking that too far
0: so just just thinking um obviously it's not um it's not in the classroom or i guess it can be but you know if you were teaching leadership which is uh, increasingly um, pop- popping up in in schools marketing and um, on schools curriculums if you were teaching leadership, how would you go about doing it? I wouldn't be right. teaching leadership. Okay,
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <talking> about within <laughs> with, within with, using gamification
2: else, is
0: that what you're saying? No, would I'm I'm I'm, I'm I'm saying like te- so like team building, um there there are scenarios where you can you can put a group, you know, thinking about like an escape room type setup or uh, a challenge where they're outdoors and they have to, um, let's say, move one thing from a, one place to another, and there are certain parameters. But but they are essentially games, right? But they've they've been used by all sorts of of industries and and uh, groups and the military and and everything really to to galvanize people together either for team building or so that everyone in the group can can practice their leadership skills on, on particular tasks. And, and they are essentially just games, right?
2: Yeah. So you're saying, how, how, are you asking us how to, how to teach leadership without a ropes course? Because I, I don't think it can be done without, without
0: a ropes course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you're theoretically learning about leadership in a, in a box without a ropes course... It's less fun than if you're actually out there doing it on the ropes
1: course. I feel this is something. I think I think you're asking us the question, Ross. But but actually, I think it's something you're the most qualified to talk about because uh, listeners may not know, but you run so many outdoor activities for for students. You are regularly taking people up to Scotland, um, up to the north of England, and doing amazing stuff. And and is the b- and they all they all come back they all come back which is always good and is a box the best place to learn leadership what do you think Ross
0: I think I think we've answered our own question there but (laughs) but but then but then you know you know obviously yes that that is a really effective way of teaching certain skills through experience but maybe what we're saying is in the classroom you don't always have to have that or I mean it's difficult isn't it I mean
2: I think it's it's a tool right yeah. at least at least to my and i think uh, i speak for you guys here my understanding and, and ability and comfort zone with game of, i'm going to go back to gamification it's a it's a useful tool if it's used right it's also it can backfire on you if it's
1: used wrong um, i feel like i feel like i see the headline which is rest is education podcast comes to no conclusion on gamification it it, it, it it's very hard to to say this is what we think, but I I I do think Aaron, you're you're right that a, a tool is is exactly what it is, something we can pick up and put down and use when appropriate, but also bearing in mind the negative possibilities of it.
0: Could we, if we were to summarise with a hashtag, could it be gamification in moderation?
1: <laughs> game, gamification game. is
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, game with caution. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that is a good point to end on. So you've been listening to The Rest is Education and you've been listening to Ross Porthwick, Aaron Huber and David Marshall and we will hopefully be speaking to you shortly. You've been listening to The Rest is Education. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts at The Rest is Education. Or you can email us at
1: therestiseducation@gmail.com. at gmail.com You can also find us on Instagram.